the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Jim Root, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Matt Cox and Kai McEwen. We're here to preview the weirdness that is this year's Final Four. Wow, we've got some wild teams in here, some wild seedings, all kinds of stuff to get into with that. Relatively surprised. We don't have Houston. We don't have Bama. We don't have Kansas trying to defend their national title. Instead... We have FAU, San Diego State, Miami, and UConn, and we're just going to jump right into that. We're going to talk each of the games, chronological order, so FAU and San Diego State first. We're going to mix in any prop discussions we like, talk about the spreads, the totals, going to get into the futures market, see if there's any value there, and then also talk most outstanding player, also available at BetMGM, so check those odds out. Let's get right into it, guys. FAU, San Diego State. 6.09 p.m. Eastern on Saturday evening. Very surprised both these teams are here, Matthew. Uh, but we have San Diego State, a slight favorite right now. What are you looking at in this game? What intrigues you? The Aztecs minus one and a half, minus two. Give me your your gut reactions with this matchup. I love it for my owls, Jim. Like, how many times have they been around a pick in this tournament run? You know, you go back to Memphis, you go last round to Kansas State. Um, Tennessee, they were obviously a little more of a, a, a bigger dog in that game. Um, and FDU, more of the favorite role. But just look at those two incidents, right? You have the plus one-ish spread against Memphis. You know, the plus one-ish, two-ish spread against K-State. I think people disrespect them in both those games. Um, and now, lo and behold, again, same type of spread here at San Diego State. They already played, Kai, in my opinion, a bigger, badder version of the Aztecs in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Now, Tennessee's offense went really AWOL in that game, but that's not to say the Aztecs isn't, um, you know, isn't prone to the same types of lulls. I think they've just been better at manufacturing points than Tennessee was against FAU in that game. But FAU is just awesome, deep, um, loaded defensively, even though they're not super big. And I think they're actually, um, they're going to stand up to the toughness and physicality that the Aztecs bring. And I think they're fine playing mm-hmm. in a gross grimy type of affair. So, yep, I'm going back to the FAUL here, Kai McKean. I think it's just a good matchup. And they've been they've kind of proven they can already prevail in this tournament against a similar matchup in Tennessee. Oh, absolutely. It, I think it's a great matchup for FAU because they've already played three ridiculously physical teams, three teams that win by physicality in Memphis, in K-State, in Tennessee. I think San Diego State's pretty close to Tennessee in terms of style-wise and, and, and the way they want to win. Um, it's going to be a war. Can FAU handle a fourth world war here uh, going to battle. I tend to think they can. They're one of the deeper teams in the country. Again, like I've said multiple times, one of the uh, more uh, difficult teams to prep for on, on a short turnaround because of how many guys they have that can beat you. You don't know who's going to be their best player on a given night. My one concern is FAU is an analytical team. They run teams off the line. They don't allow layups. San Diego State, they love shooting mid-range jumpers. and They're pretty good at it. Guys like Matt Bradley, Darian Trammell, they live in the mid-range. They love it. It can be very difficult to consistently win with that style of offense, and we've seen San Diego State stagnate before. But heck, against FAU, it might just work, and we've seen them shoot well in the tournament. Ultimately, Jim, though, I'm going FAU plus two here. I love this squad. 
And again, they've proven themselves in war before. They can do it again. All right, question for you guys real quick. You both sound like you like FAU. Yeah. Right now, plus one and a half, minus 105 on BetMGM. Mm. Would you prefer that with the less juice, or do you want to get the two? No, I'd want the two. Okay, Matthew? Yeah, you want the two, because I do think this is going to be a lower-scoring game, Jim. Um, there are a lot of people are on the under. I think they have a good read and how these two teams match up. Uh, just to all the more reason to get that key number at two. Yeah, I, I would wait for two or look for two, hunt for two. Yep, makes sense. Total 131 and a half. I, I tend to agree with these guys. It will be more of a slog akin to that FAU Tennessee game that was played in the half court. Very brutal, very physical. That's been every San Diego State game. I'm curious if on a bigger stage with everybody watching, if there's some tendency for the officials to call a little bit more and say, look, we're not going to let San Diego state turn this game into a, a muck fight, but that's pretty much every one of their games. So uh, I could see that still being the case, even if the refs try to insert themselves early. Kai, you mentioned the mid range proclivity for San Diego state per hoop math. They're 21st in the country in the amount of shots they take in the mid range, just over a third of their shots. They take a lot there. Some of those are jumpers. And some of those are kind of mid-post type touches. They got a lot of those against Creighton. Creighton playing that drop coverage, letting you get to that free throw line, daring you to shoot from there. I felt like they made a million passes, Matt, from the free throw line to the post, like really, really close bounce passes into a contested post touch. Then they would get a little quick turn over the right, the right, uh, over the left shoulder with a rope or Ladie or Johnson, just trying to get quick touches in there. I think that will be there again against FAU. Matt, you talked about seeing this team earlier, FAU, and a weakness, or potentially a weakness, was posting up their their four-man, or posting up a four-man against Nellie Davis or Elijah Martin. I kind of like that for, for a player prop here. Keyshad Johnson, seven and a half is his total. Maybe you go him, maybe you go Ladee, but he's been playing more center kind of in a platoon with Mensa. So I think Johnson might be worth a look, Matt. What, what say you there? Yeah, I think that position is is where Tennessee faulted in their matchup, right? They started off punishing. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, Kama was completely AWOL, not a part of the offense at all. Just kind of lost in the shuffle. And even Plavich was dominating early, and they went away from him as well. So, I think Brian Dutcher looks at that tape and says, okay, if that's where Tennessee went wrong, um, is Mensa going to dominate in the block against Golden? No, I don't think Mensa is like a you know a go-to dominant low post score. But you're right. Who's that four-man um, is it Johnson, Jim? Is it Ladie? Potentially, they kind of rotate in, uh, a bunch of guys in there. Um, you're right, though. I think positionally, if you're looking to get an Aztec, maybe you're betting on the Matt Bradley bounce back. I'm not. Maybe you're betting on the Darian Trammell continues to ride this wave. I'm not, especially against FAU's deep, um, tenacious guards. Uh, but you're right. That's the soft spot in this defense. And even Dusty May himself has admitted this right multiple times throughout the season. He's talked about how that's been kind of a a blind spot they have to cover up. Dutcher is a great game planner. I think he goes right to that avenue. Question is, who's beneficiary, right? Johnson, Wadi, maybe kind of sprinkle both there as sort of a portfolio, a positional portfolio of sorts. Yeah, is there a Ladi rebounds uh, prop out there? Uh, I do think FAU is going to be just fine on the offensive glass. They they grabbed like 40% of their misses against every team they faced in the tournament so far, and a lot of those teams can really rebound the ball. Um, but the defensive end, Ladi is a pretty mo- big monster, frankly, and if he plays the four... He's going to have avenues to get rebounds. I kind of think Matt Bradley's prop, his points prop, is a little bit uh, deflated. Uh, we know he hasn't played very well th- these last couple of games in the tournament. We we know he's capable of playing well. He's first-team All-Mountain West guy. He has been their best player all season. Maybe he bounces back here. 
again, FAU, tons of guards throughout him, but food for thought there. I am intrigued by your Ladi rebound prop. It is five mm. and a half uh, on the book okay, I'm yeah. looking at, plus 100 to go over. And in recent games, he's had six, six, four, ten, ten. So mm. very, uh, you know, liable to go over that number, especially against somewhat uh, of a smaller front line that could be vulnerable, especially on the offensive glass where he's had three, one, one, three, mm. five on the offensive glass. So you just need a couple on the defensive end and it should yeah. certainly push him over. Uh, I like that look as well. Bradley, I have a hard time figuring out because he's looked frustrated and also has been kind of playing less because of how frustrated he's looked. Maybe Dutcher will lean on him more in this situation, but they do have a bunch of guards to throw on him and, and Tremel and Butler are playing a little bit better. Maybe you want Seiko out there for floor spacing. I don't know. It's hard to figure. Parrish had some open looks against Creighton and just threw up some absolute bricks. So maybe <laughs> yeah, Fra- after maybe two really good games against Furman, Alabama, that was weird. Yeah, that was... Uh, hey, he, speaking he was, of bricks, um, right bad. Yeah. Well, let's say yeah. you continue to brick shots like SDSU's former four opponents that have shot 17% from three. It's insane. It's insane. Come no on. one makes threes against them. Um, they, I, we, we don't treat shot quality as Bible here, but we do use it as something to look at. Alabama scored 64 points against San Diego State. Kai, do you know what their total was per shot quality? 80. 89, 89 should have been 89 to 84 Alabama win per shot quality. They're expected to score 18 more points from the three point line, which makes sense to me. They were three of 27. Yes. Okay. They go nine of 27, 33%. That's 18 mm-hmm. more points. Boom. Totally reasonable amount. I've had some people come at me on Twitter, Kai, and say, it's because of how physical SDSU plays. Guys are beat up and they're worried about getting shoved and stuff. Is that why no one can make threes? My dad even offered that as a potential explanation on the phone. What do you think of that hypothesis? I think it's a a reason, and there's a track record, at least, for San Diego State being good at three-point percentage defense, something that has a lot of luck baked in. But there are certain teams in the country that do well on that stat because, yes, they're physical, yes, they're athletic, and yes, they're long. I think San Diego State checks those boxes. But, man, even though they're the second-best defensive team in the country in terms of a three-point percentage allowed standpoint – they're still allowing 27.8% for the year. That's a crazy low number, but their four opponents have shot 17%, 10 percentage points lower than their season average. It's still lucky any way you slice it, I think, this, thus far in the tournament. Yeah, but hard agree there. Matt, what say you there? Is that something that you're looking at as an edge for FAU, considering you're already looking to bet that side? Uh, yes. However, I, I do give credit, some credit, how much is the question to the Aztecs and their defense and being able to control some of that opposing, uh, three point percentage. just look at their average possession length on defense, 345th in the country all season. Um, a lot of these great defenses, I'm not going to dub San Diego state like an historically great defense, but by the metrics, they're, they're not so far away. Um, low or high possession lengths, which leads to low three point percentage defense. Basically you're waiting, you can't get a good shot. You force something Mm -hmm. late. And I think the numbers, if you adjusted for true shot quality, I think you'd find that a lot of that was true. Just awesome defense. However, 17% is just an insanely low number. And when you combine the fact that FAU seems overdue for like a 14 for 30, three point shooting barrage, which they have not seen um, in the last few weeks. um, Yeah. You could see maybe a, uh, a regression force um, mashup there that could go FAU's favor. Yep, coming from both directions. I, I think you could say as as good as San Diego State is defensively, they were second in the country this year in three-point percentage defense, and that was 28, like, like Kai said. It, it's absolutely ludicrous for it to be at 17, even in a relatively small sample. Last question on this, also related to the total. 
what do we think of this being in a football stadium? I know that that is an mm. oft-repeated narrative for shooting and potentially going to help the under. Matt, you feel like that's kind of debunked. I can't remember if you have the data explicitly on that. I'm trying to pull it. All right, it's, I will continue It's pretty to stark toward the over. Yeah, but please fill time while I look for it. I believe it's pretty stark toward the over the last five years, actually. So do not bet unders on final four blindly. Do not. Abort. Yeah, I, Abort. I don't think doing that just because of the shooting venue is really proper at this stage. The guys have played in big basketball arenas. I know it's different, but especially from like the corners, it's fairly similar. Kai, I, I don't totally buy that as a major difference, especially after the first couple of shots, you get used to it. Yeah, and I mean, just using last year's example, KU Nova was wildly efficient. KU had like 1.4 points per possession. UNC Duke was wildly efficient. And even the championship game, I think that went under, but it was still pretty efficient. I, I don't think it, it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be. And it's certainly in the line, in, in my opinion, baked in just a bit. I, I do think it probably gets inherently um, deflated in the market with, the, with going to the big stadium. The books aren't idiots. They know this is a trend that people like to cite. They probably shaded a little bit low. I've not really dug into the total of this game. But yeah, in theory, if that is true, that does favor San Diego State just based on how they can pack it in and how they can affect you from deep. Yep. I would also mention these teams get to Houston fairly early. They've got, a, I believe they play there uh, in the gym on Thursday. They have an open practice on Friday. That's yeah, pretty much all shoot around. Whole, right. And then, then they'll play there on Saturday. And of course, championship game. They'll have already played in the arena. So I'm, I'm less worried about it. Matt, did you find the data? No, I don't. I was just what I do have though is the roller coaster of uh, of overs and unders this tournament. Twenty seven and nine to the under, six round of sixty four in the first four, uh, eight and four uh, to the over since the Sweet Sixteen. So don't try and catch the you know it's a game of whack a mole when you're trying to play the macro stuff with totals. Trust me, I've been burned by it badly this season. Jim, one last inclusion for a player prop at the buzzer: Vlad Golden under FAU. Kind of just hit me as we were talking through the matchup. I think he's had some big games. Coming off that big game into K-State, he's got a brutal matchup against Mensa. Um, I can see Mate going away from him, trying to find other options, as he does so well. He's not going to force feed Golden at all. I can see Golden have a really low usage. So Golden under point total will be where I'm looking um, for an under. Did you swipe that out of the outline for me? You rap scallion. Did you really have it on there, Jim? Yeah, I wrote that in there. I'm sorry. Uh, I I think it's a good look, Uh, too. Just watching what... Kalkbrenner did against Mensa in the second half, struggled like crazy to finish, and they play through him way more than FAU plays through Golden. Uh, I, I do think that under is a pretty decent look as well. College Hoops betting is heating up, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility agreements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 
Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's go to the nightcap. Miami and UConn, definitely the more... Uh, featured matchup. There are a lot of jokes about FAU San Diego State being moved to True TV in the media room. That's a joke. Ha 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 ha. Nope, they won't do that. But ratings probably won't be explosive. Miami UConn though, they might. Uh, UConn definitely has a name brand there. Miami is a bigger name brand as well. Should be more points. The total is significantly higher in this game. Just looking at BetMGM right now, it's at one forty nine and a half. UConn is minus five and a half. Kai, going to you first on this one. You and I have both now seen these Huskies in person at their absolute peak. Scary. Why should we bet against them? Because Jim Laranaga is a way better coach than Dan Hurley. And I think he's proven that through these four games when he's made adjustments in game. Um, he's got fantastic guards at his disposal. You you could say Miami's backcourt is the best of the remaining four teams. You could say it's among the best in the country, at least offensively. And I'd probably believe you. But... If UConn plays their game, if they hit outside shots to a reasonable degree, they should smash Miami. They should beat them by double digits. Their offense is excellent. Miami's D might be the worst we've seen for a Final Four team, at least from a metric standpoint. 104th in Kim Palm. And at Bart Torvik, I think it's even worse um, from a just defensive efficiency standpoint. Texas scored. Miami just outscored them. Houston scored pretty well as well. If Miami has even an inkling of a cold day or a little bit of an off night or if UConn's hitting shots, I think it kind of spells doom for the Canes, Matthew. And gosh, man, it's hard to score inside on UConn. If Miami is, is missing, which by the way, UConn runs guys off the line pretty well and defends on the perimeter as well, I just think it's hard for, for them to get over that in combo with their defense being suspect. Yeah, my concern for Miami, though, is uh, I'm sorry for UConn, is they're, can they handle the ball? against Miami's pressure, but more importantly is, does Miami deploy a lot of pressure for the entirety of this game, right? I think Miami's defense has been good when it needed to be, right? It's been opportunistic, I think, alternate. Really, all season, it's kind of been the MO of this uh, this Canes team, and even dating back to last year. The metrics hate this defense, but we saw the pressure they applied against Drake. We saw the pressure they applied against Texas. Like, I think when they want to dial it up and get stops, um, it, you know, Laranek is awesome at turning that on switch on when he needs to wonder if he pulls that, um, dips into his bag of tricks and does the same here against UConn. Unfortunately, I think I talked this last night, the depth favors UConn so heavily. Um, I just don't know if Miami can deploy that for 40 minutes and it's just not really a, a, a you know, a press over a 40 minute game is usually not successful, right? It's gotta be, you know, can't do all 40. spots yeah. well timed. Yeah. It can't do all 40, right? It's just, you know, players figured out. And UConn's guards are big, right? They can throw over the top. Now, we've seen them struggle with pressure before this season, Jim. Uh, I brought up the St. John's comparison last night. But this UConn team, the way they're playing right now, um, with the development and growth we've seen from Hawkins and Jackson's notably, uh, Newton even as well, I I tend to trust this UConn backcourt a lot more than I did two months ago. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're talking about pressing for 40 minutes. This team basically goes six deep. Like they're Bensley Joseph is the one guy they want to use off the bench. They'll use Anthony Walker if they have to because of fouls for for Omir. But otherwise, they want to play with the, the their starting five as much as possible. Defense last three games has given up one 
1.0, 1.07, and 1.12 points per possession for Miami. They are not winning with defense. I know they've gotten some key stops when they needed to, but it's just been this nuclear offense that's gotten them here. And Kai, we just saw the best offense in the country, Gonzaga, no question about it, the best offense, get completely shut down by this UConn mm-hmm. defense. They could not score. Granted, there were some missed shots in there, but I mean, they put up 54 points against UConn yep. in a fairly high possession game. That was impressive. Let me throw one thing at you here, Kai, too. I've cited shot quality a couple times. It has all four Miami games of the tournament scored as wins for the Hurricanes. Somehow for UConn, it scores the St. Mary's and Arkansas games as losses. Yeah, it's bull. It's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. I watched Arkansas in person, and there's just no way you can tell me that, oh, Arkansas got better shots all game than UConn. That's insane to me. Yes, uh, and this is why shot quality is not the NLB all. Um, there are flaws in shot quality. UConn won by an average of 20 points per game against their first four opponents. And I'm telling you, it was not all luck. <laughs> they they just rolled them, uh, quite frankly. Uh, that uh, I had a point here, Jim. I forgot what it was going to go towards. Um, I'll take was... the ball back while you think of it. I, I got yes, something. Yes, thank you. Matt, oh, here's, sorry, here's go ahead. A, I hope this isn't uh, swiping what Kai was going for. But Matt, UConn this year has played 15 games against teams not in the Big East. They are 15-0, winning by an average of 25 a game. They are 14-0-1 against the spread on closing lines against non-conference opponents. They haven't lost a game against the spread to a team outside the Big East. Dan Hurley basically laughed in, in the press conference when asked about this. He's like, look, the Big East is really tough. They tried some tricky things against us. The sagging off Andre Jackson was a big thing that kind of hacked UConn system in January. They've completely solved it now. They put the ball in his hands more. They put him in that dunker spot. So where instead of sitting on the perimeter being useless, he's a scoring threat in the dunker spot. So Nogo had a couple drop-offs to him against Gonzaga. They have fully figured that out. I I think the quote was, that doesn't work anymore, was what Hurley said in in the press conference. They're very confident with how they are playing right now. They just don't think anybody's got an answer for them. And quite honestly, I'm not sure anyone does either. So what say you to that? 14-0-1 14-0-1 against the spread against non-conference opponents. Does it? Does it, we just keep riding it? 15-0-1? I think that's my lean. I said this earlier today. If you're going to bet this game, if you like UConn, you're laying the points. If you like Miami, I think you take Miami money line. Um, now, I know records and you know looking at records by game margin is a little bit dicey. You can sort of move that goalpost, and, and there's some um, – just the way the data shakes out, it's not exactly neat. But notable that UConn is 0-4 this year. In one point games, uh, Miami six five, and four. five points or less. Five points or less. Thank you. Um, yeah. Is the official cutoff there? I do believe that if this game is really close late, I my, my personal gut thinks UConn wins comfortably. But if this game is very competitive, one two possessions, I will give the edge to Miami and just in terms of their ability to make shots and that pressure probably being deployed at that point and then a risk maybe of UConn, you know, maybe a careless turnover or two, you know, not making free throws when they need to. So I, that's sort of how I handicap this game, right? Not super confident either way. My gut leans hard toward UConn. I think with that, I'm laying the points. I think if they win, it's comfortably. Um, I wouldn't take Miami with the spread, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So Kai, take? Uh, yeah, I guess. My, my, my point that I was going to make earlier is, Omir, I'm not going to – doubt this guy again because I've done it for several games in a row and he's just shoved it up my my rear end. If he gets in foul trouble, i.e. like Timmy did against UConn last round, Miami is screwed. 
Sonogo and Klingon will absolutely destroy them inside. They might anyways. But if Omir has even an inkling of foul trouble, it's again, like it's, just, it's another factor of, man, if Miami doesn't hit shots, man, if Miami's guy, key guy, key big guy gets in foul trouble, man, if UConn even has a normal shooting day, they're done. There's just so many places Miami could slip up, which is where I, why I think I lean towards UConn here at five and a half. Even. Yeah, I'm just looking at Miami's last game. They shot 66% inside the arc against Texas. Let's remember there was no DC. No there. DC. That, yeah. That's really important. And UConn can throw out Sonogo and Klingon. Early in that Gonzaga game, it came pretty clear it wasn't a Klingon game. I know he ended up playing 12 minutes, but a lot of that was garbage. I think he played three minutes in the first half. It was very much a Sonogo game. So uh, I, I think that's worth noting. It's still not going to be the same. Uh, Klingon's the better rim protector, of course, but Sonogo does deter you there. And this this team just has length athleticism all over the floor. And Matt, one last note here, perhaps for player props. This game will tip after sundown. So Mr. Sonogo can eat, can drink. He is going to be just fine, not fasting for Ramadan. I know that didn't affect him in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, but let's throw out that narrative completely. It is tipping after sundown. He's totally fine. Yeah, he might just be a cyborg after all, Jim. Um, I was actually looking at Jordan Miller on a player prop angle here. Obviously, the perfect man with the Christian Leitner knockoff and performance Last time seven out for seven from the field, 13 for 13 from 13, the line, 13 from the line had had one turnover though. So not quite perfect. Kai called it a no hitter, not a perfect game. Last time. I thought that was very apt. That is good. I do like his matchup though. If he gets caravan, I, if I'm Hurley, I think caravan is a guy you play less than this game and you play Jackson more to four. I just don't want to have any sort of foot speed advantage for Miller, right? I think that's where he can get you sort of that interior mid range kind of knifes through seams he scores on post guys more with speed, not with length and size. Um, so I guess by association, where I was going with this is a caravan under potentially um, for UConn. I, I don't find where's what is his up to date point total? I know he's had some big games, so I think it, it's inflated a little bit. Uh, but just how the matchup shake out, I think Hurley plays caravan less um, to really make sure Miller doesn't go off because I think he's kind of the X factor that if they can keep him in check, it puts just the absolute biggest burden unpack it long to make 30 footers contested and Hey, they can do it, but can they do it for 40 minutes and stop UConn on the other end? Unlikely. Yeah. UConn's just so long everywhere. I mean, unless they're really rolling out Diara, which I really don't expect to see like almost any of him and yeah, a little bit know. of Calcaterra. Um, they're just long. They're six, five and up pretty much everywhere. Uh, and that's given a lot of teams problems. It's tough to prepare for. Like you just can't simulate that sometimes the, the sheer size and athleticism at every position. I, we're not talking championship game yet, but I will say Mark Few, a terrific game planner, smart coach, had a really good team, said, if you have 48 hours to prepare for this team, you're you're screwed. You have no chance. Like, they just do so many different things. They can play through the post. They can run guys off screens. Hawkins is elite. Speaking of a guy that I might kind of like his player prop over, uh, and they just – there's so many different ways they can attack you that you have to plan for and make sure you have a coverage for – you just can't do it in short prep. So that that's my big worry for the championship game. Obviously, Miami has a lot of time here, and Laranega is is brilliant. But uh, I, I still lean UConn here, minus five and a half. I like the over. I don't think UConn, or I don't think UConn holds Miami to sub-60 points like they did to Gonzaga. I think we see a lot of points. A lot of Miami games have been that way, but I do lean UConn. So final takes on that, Kai, I'll start with you and then Matt. I'm taking UConn minus five and a half, Jim, is my final take from this game. Beautiful. Matthew, what do you think? Yeah, I will take UConn uh, minus five 
and probably by the half point because I'm a <laughs> I'm a half point sucker. Um, Don't do that. And I do think you can't. I know. I'm sorry. I, I got to do it though. For the folks at home, it, that is a two to three not endorsement for buying the hook. And Matthew yes. likes buying the hook. Only buying just, the hook. Two key clear. numbers, Kai. Just three numbers. I buy it two five. It was one of those. Um, I like the over angle, Jim. I think this game, especially if it gets out of hand, Miami just says, "All right, we'll run with you." Right? They try and kind of just dip into the, you know, they're going to pick up full court. They're going to shoot with five, ten seconds, looking for transition threes, long rebounds, fuels fast breaks the other way, and just sort of this perfect storm of pace infusion into a game that was probably going to be, you know, faster or to medium, uh, you know, pace game. But but if it gets to 10, 12, 14 points, I think it starts getting up and down so i like the over there as well i'm with you there i'm not seeing clinging props for this yet uh especially points i think i like unders on him because i just don't think it's going to be his game uh, very much similar to the gonzaga mm-hmm. where i think if it stays anywhere near close i don't think he's going to have a ton of playing time so uh, i like unders if you can find them maybe closer to tip time we'll get uh extended menus on that all right guys let's move to the futures market, the the overall look at this Final Four, potential title winners, very clearly leaning towards UConn here. These are from BetMGM. UConn minus 125, San Diego State plus 375, Miami plus 475, and FAU plus 625. We'll start with this, Matt. My uh, UConn odds-on favorite, more than 50% chance to win. Do you agree just on a gut sense with that kind of a line? Yeah, right. Do you think it should be UConn versus the field as a coin flip, just to contextualize it in a little more straightforward manner? Um, yeah, and I think UConn should be a slight favorite. So, you know, tilted toward the favorite side as they are. I so, yeah, too. I think just that in a nutshell, I agree with that. Um, if you do the mechanical money line conversion stuff, the, the the best pure value, removing all of your, you know, qualitative subjectivity from the equation, I think FAU actually has the best value of the four. Um, just given the you know projected spread of what the title game could be, I think six to one, you're getting a pretty fair price. Um, you know, usually with the whole percentages being higher, it's tough to find a, a good fair price, almost impossible to find true value. But on a relative basis, um, FAU six to one. And if you think Miami has a real chance to beat UConn, which sounds like none of us really do, but if you're in that camp and you're not really buying the UConn thing, or you think Miami's just this blazing inferno that can't be stopped it's definitely good value because then you're getting a real discounted price there with FAU against Miami in the final game, as opposed to FAU against Connecticut, which is the presumed outcome. If you are taking that six to one. So I like FAU, I would say definitely hit it. If you think Miami's got a chance to win that game. Yeah. Um, th- these markets are tough because there's only two games left. So they're pretty much priced exactly correctly. Yeah, um, not gonna be- find. Because the odds makers know the money line for the championship game, you know, in, in the different scenarios, they know the money line right now. There's not a whole lot of value, in my opinion, I guess. I think in every single case here, you would get slightly better value by just money line rolling over, uh, money line rollover uh, these two games. If you really want to do that, you can also just bet the game's money line. I mean, I, if you have a future on, say, a UConn, like I do, maybe, maybe you consider grabbing FAU's six to one or again, just money line rollover. I don't know if you're into that hedging sort of thing. Ultimately, though, I think these are priced fairly. Yeah, I want to touch on hedging real quick, Kai, because I've had a, I've had several people reach out to me on this, and I'm happy to try to talk through it with you. And and I'm I, I have you know the, the, everybody was very nice about it, but it's such a singular your own situation type of thing, mm-hmm. like your risk tolerance, how much you have out there, how much the money like winning means to you. Like, is it life changing? Is it pocket yes. change? 
how, which which two teams do you have? Do you have more than one? Like, there's just so many different factors that go into that. That's hard for like an outsider to jump in and say, mm-hmm. "Here's what you should do." Here's the even sometimes like the mathematically correct one isn't the correct move for you. Like, Kai, you have UConn. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I only took UConn to the Final Four for not enough. So, yay, winner. <laughs> but I still have a lot of dead money in futures that I'm I'm trying to figure out what to do with. I have a big San Diego State ticket, a smaller Miami ticket, and I'm I've been uh playing with a little Excel simulator to try to figure out exactly how I'm going to balance out everything else there. It's, yeah. uh, it's a real trick. My other question would be to those that people always ask, how should I hedge? How should I hedge? Well, why do you necessarily want to hedge? Did you make the bet to win at this price? Cause you thought it was a good bet. Then keep it. You know, if it, it, why, why would you give up your, your equity? I suppose, if you think it's still a good bet, like the correct thing for me to do with my 26 to one UConn ticket is nothing because they are currently minus 125 to win the title. I have a fantastic number. I should probably just let it ride. You Will have a 58% I take... chance of, per, per market, yeah. it's a 58% chance of winning 26 to 1. <laughs> yeah, and if I, should I, I am I going to take Miami plus 5.5 for a little bit? Yeah, probably, because I'm greedy. Yeah, I want to win both. Yeah. But if the money, if you can handle the risk, I would say probably let these ride. Now, if you have like a San Diego State, Miami, or FAU, then you can kind of get cute, I guess. But again, it's hard to hedge with, Two games left, and UConn being a minus two hundred at least money line favorite uh, against your team, so you're going to lay quite a bit in, in your hedge. Okay. Favorite player props in this player prop. Love it in this in this matchup here. Um, no, kind of asking you. This is the one I couldn't find. I think I have better takes, better matchup one v one feel in that first game. This one, um, just with the way Miami defends, they're kind of flying all over the place. Like it's really tough to think about the individual matchups and how these line up. I I kind of like. If you're going to go with an over, if we like the over on the full game, right, kind of makes you want to tilt toward finding overs on these. I think Jordan Miller and Nigel Pack are my two favorite Canes. Uh, I think Wong's kind of been the the main, the focal point of opposing team scouting reports. I think Pack tends to have uh, a little more wiggle room, it seems. And he's not been as, let's see, his usage is actually down a little bit from Wong so far this tournament. I think it has been all year, too. Uh, but Pack, I think, is the true insane impossible shot maker and you'll need those shots because UConn's defense so <laughs> pack is actually my best overplay uh, on the U.S. him and Miller maybe I, I might split those two as I think through it uh Jim thoughts there the, the one I'm the ones I'm looking at I, I'm with you on that Miami side on the UConn side I'm looking at some of the over assists numbers Miami's huh. defense gives up quite a bit of assists 262 uh, 262nd in defensive assist rate and we saw some really good ball movement from from UConn in the uh, regional round. Sonogo had six assists against Gonzaga because they sent a bunch of doubles his way. I think Miami's going to do that again because if Omir gets in foul trouble, this game's over. So doubles his way, that sets up well for assists. Over one and a half, what I'm looking at, is plus <laughs> 125. Wow. So like two that. assists from Sonogo. He's had some games where he's had zero, so like it, it could not work. I just think the way Miami has to defend them means you get passing opportunities for him. So I like that. Also, potentially, the Andre Jackson over five and a half. It's boosted up a little bit. But again, the way that they've solved defenses helping so far off him is putting the ball in his hands more. And he's become just a machine moving the ball. He leads their team in assist rate. He had 10, mm-hmm. 7, 7, 7 in the wow. four NCAA tournament games. So he's been well over five and a half in every game. They're playing a yeah, bad defense like that, that gives up assists. I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, both of those. I think those make a lot of sense. Yeah, the point I was going to make, I didn't make that you remind me to make about my uh, 
my pack future was that the way UConn defends, it's very much they're so good individually, and so they force you to make one v one plays. That's why their defensive assist rate is so low. Where Miami's kind of always in scramble mode. It's just the way they're built, and they're going to have to be in this matchup. So yeah, looking at an assist over is a great general filter for uh, for UConn player props. Yep. Yep. Agreed. All right, let's do it. Most outstanding player market. These odds are from BetMGM, our loyal sponsor. Adamas Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins, the two co-favorites to be the most outstanding player. They are both plus 200. I think that makes sense for what it's worth. Hawkins won the most outstanding player of the West region with his dead-eye shooting from deep. Of course, they're going to play through Sonogo in this game against a smaller front line. Take that as you will. Jordan Miller next at plus 800 from Miami. Rather surprising to see him distanced from Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack in that regard. Matt Bradley of San Diego State, 10 to 1. Darian Trammell, also 10 to 1. Nellie Davis of FAU, 12 to 1. And you've got Wong, Pack, Lamont Butler, Andre Jackson, all in the 12 to 16 range. Long shots. Vlad Golden's 40 to 1 for FAU. He was on the all tournament or the all region team uh, in their region. Nathan Mensah, 50 to one. We'll get Poplar 50 to one. I'm not super intrigued by any of those. Kai, what are you looking at in this market? Anything that you think is actually worth betting? Oh, I would first say shop around. There might be better prices than some of these guys out there in the market. So obviously good advice for any bet you make. I am kind of intrigued here. So this obviously ties a lot into who you think is going to win the title because whoever wins the title, they're going to have the most dead standing player 99 times out of hundred. It's probably UConn. Okay. Sonogo and Hawkins, great options. I kind of like Andre Jackson around 16 to 1 because Jim mentioned it already. His assist, 7 7 10. This guy is a triple double threat uh, on a nightly basis. What if he has a triple double in, in against Miami? What if he has a triple double in the championship game? Media members, the guys that vote for this, they love triple doubles. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. If that happens, that's eye popping. That's probably good enough to win this bet. 16 to 1. I think it's kind of worth it. I like that. Matthew, if there's a triple double, yeah. he's, he's probably getting it. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's worth a look. Yeah, the same angle, Kai, is what initially gravitated me toward Nellie Davis, but the odds are just bad for Davis. Like I, you can't take Davis at worse odds than Jackson when I think Davis has a more balanced supporting cast, right? Like I think Davis could put up those triple double type stats. We've seen him um well, he's already he's grabbed ten boards in this tournament twice, had six assists last game, had five assists the game against FDU. Uh, been in double figures basically every game since mid-February, I and mean, he's just a, a machine. I, I kind of like taking a flyer um, on an FAU guard not named Elijah Martin or Nelly Davis, like a Nick Boyd, who I would think right now is maybe their third best guard. Um, you know, Greenlee's right there, and, and Forrest has kind of had a little bit of resurgence, but I just think Nick Boyd has that big game um, rise to the occasion type of of brain wires. You know, he's the guy who went to Dusty May at the end of that Memphis game. He was like, hey, I want the ball here. And he got the ball in the baseline, drove, got that big bucket. At 100 to 1, 100 to 1, <laughs> I think it's worth a little flyer, um, especially if you like FAU as much as I do to win this thing. If yeah, you're going to like, if you're going to take an bucks, FAU, just, not? yeah, why not? Right. And you're going to take, uh, we talked about how we don't love the golden matchup. Uh, Martin and Davis are probably overpriced, in my opinion. Uh, Greenlee, I think, started 100 to 1, too. Maybe you do a little Greenlee. Um, Boyd double dose of 100 to one sprinkle. You know, hope that those guys are the forgotten lost shooters on the perimeter. They get hot, maybe knock down five, six threes in the semi. They get past SDSU, and then you're in business in the title game. I like that. I, one, one more angle. We haven't really talked about it because we're all leaning FAU. But if San Diego State somehow finds a way <laughs> to win, 
Ladi at 80 to 1 intrigues me because I think he's going to yeah. dominate FAU that matchup. I think he, he can have some real success there. He is a high usage guy. When he's on the floor, he shoots and he's been pretty efficient with it as well. He's going to get rebound numbers. We mentioned the rebound prop in that first round game or the semifinal game. I think that's uh, interesting. If you like San Diego State, that's something you could pair that with where D, I like that value way more than scuffling Bradley at 10 to 1. That That's just, uh, that doesn't really jump out to me. Yeah, I could argue Ladies is the most talented player on the floor in that FAU uh, game. So that's kind of like that there, just from that angle. Hmm. Yeah, given given the pedigree and whatnot, and hey, you just get Miami right. suddenly. It suddenly it looks great too. Or you get yeah, you get Miami in the next round. He's got a major physicality advantage against uh, if he gets some minutes at the four against Jordan Miller. So we will see. We'll see, fellas. Anything else to add before we wrap it up here on Big Bets on Campus? Go FAU. Go UConn. Go Owls. Kai. If, if that's if that's the house. case, Kai, then I've got some uh, some real hedging work to do on my San Diego State <laughs> Miami bets. All right, that's it. Thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode of Big Bets on Campus. Shout out to our sponsor, BetMGM. We'll be back with Big Bets on Campus live with Stucky. We'll have some some more wagers there, so feel free to tune into that as well. But until then, enjoy the games, enjoy the Final Four. Maybe we'll see you in Houston. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.